Thanks for coming. We are, we have started a new series, a loving scripture series on the book of Jonah. So last week, if you were here, Tosh and Christy and myself, we read through the entire book of Jonah, which if you read it through, will take eight minutes. And uh, it's four chapters, um, average pace, eight minutes. So uh, our challenge for everyone is to read it over and over and over and over every day. Uh, read the book of Jonah and let and see what sinks in, see what uh, comes down, uh, comes into your heart uh, with the book of Jonah. And also outside, you'll see that wall uh, opposite of Andrew, on the other side of Andrew back there in the sound booth, the wall has a question. If you have any comments or questions about the book of Jonah, write it on a, write it on a post-it note and put it up. Just anything, anything that pops up or any ideas you have, any questions you have or kind of deep thoughts that you have, we'd love to hear from you because it's not just Bible reading or QT reading. It's how does the word kind of play out in the, the community of faith? How are we interacting around the word and how is it coming alive in us as a group, as a people? That's really important. I want to ask, a question and I like kids answering too what are ways that you get interrupted during your day who knows what an interruption is can it Are you supposed to interrupt people when they're in conversation, in the middle of conversations? What do you do when you want to interrupt them? You say okay. Yeah, that's a good one. We've uh, we've taught Isaiah to put his hand on our on our hand, and like so he'll do that when I'm when I'm working away on my computer or just engrossed in something. He knows if he interrupts me, I might not have a gracious response. I might be like, what? But he'll put his hand on my hand, and that means, that means when I'm ready, I'll turn to him and say, what do you mean? And so that's, that's a way that you can interrupt. Anybody like, are good with interruptions or have a story of like a bad interruption? No, yes, no, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I read, uh, I read an author talk about the tyranny of the urgent, and he was talking about how we sometimes feel like we have to answer our phones when they ring. But nobody said you have to answer a phone when it rings or you have to answer a text. Uh, and I actually don't like talking on the phone. I've said this before, so I never answer my phone. So if you want to get me, Probably should text me or email me, and that's how you'll get me. Or Marco Polo me. But, uh, Marco Polo. <laughs> um, but interruptions, yeah, interruptions. This week in the world of who's a gamer out there? Gamer, 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 gamer. Who likes Fortnite? Raise your hand. No? Oh, you guys like Fortnite back there? Yay! So, Fortnite. 
for all of you older people who don't know what Fortnite is, but maybe your parents do know what Fortnite is, it's a game on Xbox that's free, um, but it's basically a battle royale where you fly onto an island and you are set against other players in real time and you team up with your team and you're doing capture the flag basically. But all the while you're able to build like Minecraft so you can build things and, uh, and that's where all the, you know, the floss, when you see the floss, kids doing the floss and you're like, what? Or kids doing all these Fortnite dances, that's where it comes from because those are the emotes. You can dance and do like the floss emotes in Fortnite to taunt your opponents. But as you may have heard Isaiah say oftentimes blurting out in service, Fortnite is dead! Hashtag Fortnite is dead! Well, th this is like something that uh, a competition between Minecrafters and Fortniteers like, we're more popular than you. We have more users or more players than you. And Fortnite's like, no, we got all the users. And Minecraft is like, no, we got all the users. So there's this back and forth between Fortnite and Minecraft, and Isaiah obviously was on the Minecraft side. He's like, Fortnite is dead. And it was kind of tailing off because it had the same map, it was getting old, and people were like, oh, we're getting tired of this, let's go to new games, and this, and this, and this, and this. This, this, <laughs> exactly. And then, nice interruption. Spoiler is an interruption. <laughs> but then, I think it was Tuesday, Monday night or Tuesday night, all of a sudden, a meteor came onto the island and exploded. And then there was a small, small little uh, black circle. And it grew bigger and bigger and bigger until it covered, what were you gonna say? It was aliens from Area 51. Yeah, aliens from Area 51. Oh, and anyways, it covers, I love the interruptions, right? <laughs> See, you know I'm relevant, a relevant pastor when the kids are like, Talking, right? So, <laughs> um, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing until there was a completely black screen. But they totally took a risk. It was this epic risk. They took a risk because this black screen, this black hole, lasted for 48 hours. So there's YouTube videos of kids like hitting their hitting their laptop screens or like throwing throwing their controllers at the TV because they thought something was wrong with their device or their machine uh, because it actually was black for two, 48 hours. And then all of a sudden after two days it went bloop, 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 and slowly like the new island began to reel, reveal itself out of the cloud of mystery. Like slowly, 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 slowly um, and Fortnite 2 it revealed their new map. There's new like functions, like people can fish. I don't know why you want to fish while you're like trying to do a battle royale. Why not? Because why not? Exactly, you can. And all of a sudden, the stats have just gone nuts. Like everyone's into Fortnite again. It's it's busting alive. But just this interruption into the into the doldrums, into the dull everyday life, Fortnite player life. My whole point is that there are interruptions that happen. And sometimes, for us old dogs, right, interruptions can really put us in a pickle, right? Can really put us in a bind. And like, when I get interrupted, my train of thought stops. It takes so much for me to focus on something. And when I get interrupted, 
uh, the adrenaline comes through me and I, I get a little upset or irritable because it took so much for me to focus on something and I'm so engulfed in it that when I'm interrupted, boom, all my focus is gone and I'm like, ah, I've lost it. And then I'm back into my world of chaos and like trying to juggle my plates in my mind, right? And regain my executive functioning. So interruptions can be hard. Interruptions can be hard for a lot of us who are planners, right? Our SJs out there, our people who like to be detailed and are all about logistics and having things mapped out ahead of time. Interruptions can make us be like, ah, that's not how it was supposed to go, right? Interruptions can also mean bad news, right? That phone call in the middle of the night that we all dread that we never had. Interruptions can be good news. We're all waiting for Jen Gaines to like post something right on Instagram. Ah, it's here, right? They've been waiting, the baby is late. When is the baby gonna come? And so if you get that phone call or if you get that bleep on your Instagram social media that says, oh, baby is born, it's like good news. Yes, that's a good interruption. The world is full of interruptions. And as we step into the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah is about God interrupting. It's about interruptions into a man's life, a prophet's life, and what that interruptions mean, what that interruption means. When God interrupts, it's always for good, amen? When God interrupts our lives, it may be annoying, it may be hard, we may feel like we're suffering because of it. It may change all our plans and we may be disappointed. And we may be mad at God or not know why God is interrupting. But when God interrupts, it's good news. It's almost always good news because God disrupts us when we need to go in a different direction. God interrupts us when we've been following a different path. And he's like, I've got a better plan for you. I want you to go this way. And you may not see it. It might be hard, but it is good news. And if you follow me through this, let it play out and are faithful and say yes to this interruption in your life, it's going to be so good. Are you with me, church? God is a God who interrupts. How many raise your hand if you've been interrupted by God? Okay, we've all had those stories, and I'd love to have a testimony time sometime and to talk about when God interrupted you and what happened and what was, the, what was the play out of that. Jonah's name actually means dove, and he prophesied, uh, many people say, during uh, Jeroboam II's reign in the north kingdom of Israel, uh, basically which puts him after uh, the prophets Elijah and Elisha, and kind of a bridge in the middle to Amos, Hosea, and Isaiah. Jonah was a minor prophet. We've chosen this book, and it's really good because most minor prophets just have kind of like a proclamation, like an oracle. But Jonah is actually a narrative about the prophet himself, about the prophet's experience, right? So. A lot like the stories of Elijah and Elisha, you, you see Jonah going through these experiences, and it's not Jonah saying a prophecy, but it's Jonah experiencing life 
of his call from God and his response to God and what he's doing as a result of that call. And that story itself becomes the sign, right? The sign of who God is, the sign of what God is proclaiming to his people, his followers, the life of Jonah itself. These, his experiences become the sign. And Jonah is actually referenced a couple of times in scripture in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 14.25. You see that Jonah lives into his name, the dove, because he prophesies for the people of Israel peace. Right? God's deliverance and peace. So Jonah, when he's prophesying on behalf of Israel, brings a word uh, of deliverance. In Matthew 12, 39-41, Jesus references Jonah, the sign of Jonah. And basically when he, he talks about Jonah, he's saying, you guys asked for signs because the scribes and Pharisees were asking him to show, him, show us a sign, Jesus. And Jesus says, you ask for signs, I will not give you a sign. I will only give you the sign of Jonah. Because three days he was in the, in the fish, and then he was brought back to life in three days. Basically, Jesus is foretelling his own death and resurrection and attaching that to Jonah and the story of Jonah and saying... You know what? Nineveh, even Nineveh listened to Jonah and repented. And you guys, and you have something so much more right now, and you guys aren't even seeing it. Right? So that was the sign of Jonah in Matthew. Um, dove. Jonah, the compassionate and loving, as a dove with his own people. But when it comes to his commissioning to Nineveh, in our verses here, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Amittai's son, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. Right? When it comes to Nineveh, all of a sudden Jonah's heart is hardened. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. And we've got to read that over again because I think it's the funniest part in this book. Because it doesn't say, but Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. It said, God said, Jonah, get up! Go to Nineveh! I heard that they're really bad. And I want you to go and tell them about it. And say, the Lord wants you to repent. Right? Go! And after God says this, it just says, so Jonah got up and went to Tarshish. Right? Completely the opposite direction of where God was sending him. And in fact, he goes out of his way. So here's Joppa, where Jonah is, and he goes 2,500 miles in a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea to Tarshish, when Nineveh, where God is calling him, is 550 miles away. So he went five times the distance and a more treacherous, dangerous distance just to run away from what God was calling him to do. Man! Why did Jonah take so much effort? He's putting in much more effort to run away than he is to actually travel to where God is telling him to go. So there's definitely a reason he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And the reason is 
I think one of the reasons is, and maybe you could propose other reasons, but I think the reason is it's because Nineveh is an evil city. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, and Assyria is the enemy of the enemies of Israel and all surrounding lands. They were military, they had military might, and they were brutal in conquering other cities and other lands. So they went from city to city, and uh, you can look it up because there's kids here. I won't go into the details, but they were violent and they were brutal in how they conquered other cities. Just think of Game of Thrones. And they were pagan, Gentile, spoke a different language, different race, different ethnicity, right? When Jonah is bringing the word to his own people, it's easy. But when God calls and says, go to Nineveh, all of a sudden, Jonah's like, no, I don't want to do that. That's out of my comfort zone. That's out of my zone, right? That's going to those other people. Those are not God's people. And so we can understand that Jonah, in fact, he's, only, he's one of the only prophets where God actually calls him to go into the Gentile pagan city and prophesy right, to them so that God could forgive. Right? God called Abraham to go into Sodom, but I think God ended up destroying Sodom. Right? It was Abraham who was like, if there's only ten, Will you save that city? Yes. But here God is calling uh, Jonah to a foreign country, to a foreign place, to people who are not God's people, right? And are known to be vicious enemies and brutal in how they treat people. And God is saying, go there. And that's why Jonah runs. But remember what we said. And I want us to remember uh, throughout... Um, this Jonah series, is that God interrupts us and it may be hard, right? The other funny part of, in this is how much, how God, uh, how it says, get, God says to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. It's like, I am, when I imagine this, I imagine me on a couch watching football. I'm comfortable. I'm in my place. I'm in my zone. This is my wheelhouse. And God's saying, get up. God, it's Sunday afternoon. Please, I'm just winding down. This is my me time. This is my I time. This is where I watch Sunday night, the Sunday football. And if I fall asleep, it doesn't matter. That's great. I fall asleep on the couch. And I snore away. You know, the kids don't bother me. And then God is like, get up. Rise up. What are you doing? Why are you being complacent? Like, get on your feet. You're going to go on a journey. God interrupts and says, he pushes us to move. Dan is saying, take out the trash. Go and clean, uh, wash the dishes. Fold that laundry. Janice will do that if I'm watching football. She'll just put the laundry basket right next to me. It's like, you can both watch and fold the laundry, right? Like, you both think. <laughs> Don't give them ideas, right? So that's an interrupter. And there's this like, ah, I don't want to be pushed out of my zone. And there's this irritation, right? Because it's the law. I follow the law of inertia. An object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted upon by another object. But also, an object at rest tends to stay at rest. 
And I'm like, if I'm at rest, I want to stay at rest. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. And so I need to be pushed, acted on by an outside object. And this is God calling Jonah. He's saying, get up and go. And I'm like, no. Stop messing with me. And on top of that, stop pushing me. Okay, don't push me. I don't want to go there. I don't love those people. Those aren't good people for me. They don't make me happy. I don't gel with them. I don't agree with their lifestyle. I don't agree with their politics. I don't agree with how they say things. I don't agree with how they raise their children. I don't agree with this or that. I don't go there. Their, smell, their food looks weird. Their food smells. I can't eat that kimchi stuff. There's too much garlic. I, I don't want to go there. It's too different. It's too outside of me. And so instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop on this boat, buy the boat, and go on this long five times the journey to uh, Tarshish, which is where modern-day Spain is. It's like, whoa. And I think about this for me as a person and for, for the church, right? How often are we interrupted by God or called by God to go and love people, go and love our neighbors or go and love a certain group of people and we go out of our way to justify not doing it. Amen? Well, whatever it is for you, what makes you run? You can hit the next line. When do you run? To what do you run? Where is your Tarshish? I used to be a part of a mentoring cohort right out of college. And it was some deep healing stuff and character development stuff, which I am grateful for for the rest of my life because I think it created a foundation for my own leadership in life. Because I think character and healing is like the base of that, uh, to be fruitful in, in ministry and any, anything for that matter. But that was one of the questions the mentor brought up to our group is like, what is your Tarshish? If you're honest with yourself, what is your Tarshish of, of choice? And it would be a running joke, right? Anytime, because we all lived in community and we're supposed to be committed to each other and living in community. And anytime someone was kind of withdrawing or running away, we'd go, are you in Tarshish? <laughs> you know, like, where's your Tarshish? It's kind of annoying for me. Uh, <laughs> they were right. But where's your Tarshish? Like when you feel like running, what's going on when you, when you want to run? And then when you start to run, where is that? Where's that place? What is that object to which you run? So we're going to take some time to reflect on that. Um, if we can get some music and you can journal or write on a piece of scrap paper or on your phone notes. Just reflect on those questions for a little bit. In the, in the 
midst of our running, we need to know the good news, and I hope the good, the good news comes out in this series, is, is how immense God's grace and mercy is for us as individuals and for whole cities of people. Like, and let's think about that, that the way that God feels about Nineveh, God's heart and character in this, will reveal itself and we'll learn a lot about God. It probably will stretch our own love and compassion. It'll stretch our boundaries. And because God's love is so so much more vast. His mercy is so much his reach is so much faster than we can imagine. Amen. So let's continue our show. on the radio about uh, people describing the Fortnite 2 event and when the black hole hit everyone was like no when the new world came people were like mind blown and they're clapping and cheering and raising their hands like this is so awesome when we read the book of Jonah I hope that you can count how many people end up worshiping God in this book, even Jonah, and praising God, right? Mind blown. And that's what I hope our church can be about, is like being faithful to God's interruptions and then cheering and witnessing other people praise God, who we wouldn't be like, oh, those are church, church people. Those are like, right? Because God sent us and God called us. And we said, yes. Go in the knowledge that God interrupts, but it's all for the better. Go in peace.